In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Hello, my friends. Welcome to In the Lab. This is a huge week as John Harris waves at you. I'm Drew Doherty and huge week because the schedule release is coming out Thursday. Texans will find out 7 p.m. or they'll announce at 7 p.m. Thursday night who they play, when they play, what times, what channel, all that stuff. We know the opponents. And I tweeted out earlier on Tuesday morning the NFL research formula, why, how they come up with the schedule. Because some have asked, well, how come we always play the Patriots every year in England? Not doing that this year, but got that next year for a stretch. So they'll, they'll explain. But John, it's good to be with you. Today on the program, we're going to do two main things. One main thing, and then we'll finish with a little kind of Twitter question thing. But we are mainly going to talk about the Bobby Slowick offense and what we might expect. Because you and I, over the course of the last month, really the course of the last week and a half, we've heard from some folks, and it's a real wide range of folks who are pumped about this offense. And it's mainly three in particular that we're going to reference. But Bobby Slowick is the offensive coordinator, has a very interesting background, John. And one of the guys that we've talked to most recently who was excited about it is Daria Gumbawale. And you might say, what? Well, Dare was in a season that was really bleak. There's been three bleak seasons in a row now for the Texans. He was kind of a bright spot. Excellent on special teams, which he knew going in he would be. But when he got a chance to run the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield last year, which started around midseason, he kind of did some nice things with the ball. And um, he's a good veteran presence, good locker room guy. But I talked with him yesterday at the Texans Charity Golf Classic and had a fun time with him. And when I mentioned the Bobby Sloak offense and how excited are you or what do you think of it, he really perked up and he said, puts us in position to make plays and get things going. What you're, Here, if you want to hear from what he said, this is exactly what he said when I asked him about it. I'm excited, man. They they came and energized the room right away. You know, they, they great vibes coming into the uh, to the team meeting room. And and like you said, with Coach Slow, I mean, his offense is is beautiful. So it's a lot of opportunity for guys to make plays, a lot of opportunity for guys to be put in different situations to make plays. So we're all excited, man. Like I said, just champion the the role of, uh, of learning the offense. You know, that's kind of the focus right now, learning the playbook, learning the concepts so we can all speak the same language. So when we get out there in campus, it's seamless. Okay, that's an intriguing answer, John. What do you think when you heard that and how that mesh with what you think Bobby Slowick is going to do with this offense? Well, if you think about it from a running back perspective, the one thing San Francisco, up until last year when they got Christian McCaffrey, they've had guys at running back that a lot of people like, wait, I should pick up Raheem Mostert on fantasy? Like, why? <laughs> Jeff Wilson? No, some people knew Jeff because he was uh, he went to UNT. North Texas, but mean green, you know, Elijah Mitchell, that's a guy that Miko rides has talked a lot about in reference to how you work with a head coach and a GM and how they work together. He's used a story about Elijah Mitchell and I, I was a big fan of Elijah Mitchell. And so they got him in the sixth round, uh, two years ago, two years ago, I think it was. And he's been, he's been a stud for them, but I think the excitement comes in how many different ways can you run the football? How many different weapons can you use running the football now part, you know, part of it in san francisco was 
not every guy could stay healthy, but when you run the ball um, as successfully as they do, and you're ahead in games, you're going to have more carries than other teams. You're going to have more carries to spread out. You're going to obviously guys are going to get banged up maybe a little bit more. And then of course, in a 17 game season, you're going to have your running backs banged up. Look last year, Damian Pierce goes down against Dallas and he can't, you know, he can't play for the rest of the year. Rex Burkhead gets banged up at certain points. I know you're talking about a different group of running backs, but yeah. if I'm Dari, I'm sitting there looking at it going, okay, this is it's a pretty unique run game. There's a lot of different elements in it that I think, boy, I could, I, when I get my opportunity, it's not if you get the opportunity, it's when you get the opportunity, especially in this offense. Like you're going to, in this league now, it, it, I've over the years, you've just seen changes and you just kind of accept the fact that, okay, yeah, Devin Singletary was brought here. And this has kind of been my my phrase lately. Just when you think you have enough, you need a little bit more. Just when you th- when you know you don't have enough, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And I feel like at running back, you brought in Devin Singletary, and a lot of fans are like, ah, it's enough. We're good. But never, ever, you need ever. more. And Not you have at the a guy like, spot. No. You have a guy like Dario Gumbawale, who you know is going to be great on special teams, but he showed you last year, given the opportunity to run the rock a little bit, he could do some things. Um and that's the kind of guy that you absolutely have to have um, as your presumed number three back that can step into the number two role. If somebody's banked up that can play on special teams that could be a threat out of the backfield and then thrive in the offense that he is then placed in. And I think Dari is the kind of guy been around a little bit, seen some things and gosh, she's going into year six. Seven, you're eight now. He, the, the he was a 2017 undrafted. He came to the Greenbrier with us as a rookie. Undrafted. So eight, this is eight yeah. year. No, seventh year. Sorry. Um, I mean that's it. It says so much for him that he is still that productive. But I think what excites running backs in particular is when you look at the run game and how how they have accomplished so much in the run game with San Francisco. It's it's unique. It's it's a little different than what other teams are doing. It's not just, well, zone this, zone that. It's not just power game. It's not just gap scheme. It's not. You'll it's, see pitches to the running back, and the running back runs inside. Yeah, you in see between the tackles. different wrinkles yeah. that I often wonder why coaches haven't been more inventive in some sense. Um, I remember in the uh, – there was a game against Dallas. I think it was the playoff game was the first time I had seen this, and all of a sudden, Trent Williams goes in motion. Yep. Left tackle, Trent Williams. He goes in motion, and he's leading the running back on a play to the right. Now, he's normally the left tackle. He's going in motion to the right and lead blocking to the right. Like, what is this? What is going on? And then, I'm, I mean, I'm going back, and I'm watching it. You know how I am. I just watch it, like, 15, 20 times, just keep running it back, running it back. Like, what am I looking at here? Somebody was offside on that play, but they got it. And they had it got pulled back. Remember that? Is that the one yeah, I'm thinking of? And I think it so. got pulled back because of the penalty. So. And then, yeah. But it was like the announcers kept talking about, like, well, we've never seen anything like yeah. that. I mean, that's what this running game is. It's, you know, there are elements of we've not seen that before. But you look at it and go, yeah, I think there's some common sense to it. Um, but there's also some inventiveness to it. And I think that's really for a running back, that's, I mean, that's music to their ears in some sense. Yeah. You know, it kind of reminded me of a 2007. Colorado at Texas Tech game, 11 a.m. Red Raiders in those days did not play well at 11 a.m. <laughs> there was a yeah. fox on the field at 8 a.m. in the pregame. But uh, I remember Leach, he ran this. He ran <laughs> a this, legit fox. Oh, yeah. And oh, it was well. a common thing. It would 
we would run around the stadium few, every time the the Red Raiders had an 11 a.m. game back in those days. But Leach lined up, you know, that air raid offense, they had the big splits. Quarterback was in the shotgun. Mm-hmm. Graham Harrell was in the shotgun. He had a running back, I think, to his left. And behind the right guard, about two yards back, he lined up another guard, I guess, as a fullback. But yeah. it was a yeah, big, yeah. big guy. Yeah. And I can't remember why he didn't do that more often, but he, I think he, the, the rationale was, He's a guy who knows how to block and <laughs> you're going to run it. So yeah. why not have a guy who's good at blocking? Right. You know, and yeah, they got the first down, but he didn't. Yeah. It was something I like, mean, why don't they do that more? You know, it was kind of like when you'd lined up the fridge, but you put them off to the, it was offset and gave him a running start. Yeah, I, and, you know, I, I think I'm going to answer that question because I think, and th- this is going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting dynamic for Bobby Slowick's offense this year, because Kyle Shanahan, because he's got pelts up on the wall, if he tries something inventive, he tries something a little bit different. I think there's this, well, it's Kyle. If it doesn't work, it's like, well, it's Kyle. He's trying something. You know, it's been successful. You know, Bobby Sloak tries something this year and it doesn't work. Oh, he's trying to beat Kyle Shanahan. They know they can't do that. And so that happens to a lot of coaches. They end up, you know what? these are the things we're going to do. We're they don't have that stay... layer of protection. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's a great way of putting it. Kyle Shanahan has that layer of protection. Andy Reed has that layer of protection. And with that, it allows them to be even more creative. And, you know, Ben Johnson with the lions has kind of gotten that uh, offense coordinator for the lions has kind of gotten that layer of protection as well because of some of the things we've already seen, but he's already kind of been out there, you know, throwing a Panay <laughs> the key third down in a win. I think it was over the giants or the Vikings. I can't remember which I think it was Vikings. And it's like, what? So yeah, sometimes you got to lay them on the table if you know what I mean. But if you do, you do end up kind of having that layer of protection that allows you in some sense to be even more creative and have more people on board. And if it doesn't work then, Oh, well, I mean, remember back to, to Watcat against the chiefs in the playoff game. Yeah. You know, that was a perfect example of there was really no layer of protection around Bill O'Brien at that point. And when it didn't work as people saw it, I, I didn't have a problem with it. It just got stuffed. Okay. It got stuffed. The problem was that Hoyer threw an interception on the next play, but you know, he didn't really have that layer of protection. People didn't really look at him as an offensive guru or genius. Um, and, and therefore he got, he got raked over the coals for it for, for whatever reason, I don't know, but I like the way you put that, the layer, I'm going to use that from now on the layer of protection. I think it really, it really does protect in some sense a coach from taking a lot of scrutiny if they do something different or you know something that is a little wacky yeah and it doesn't quite work well you know he's trying something if somebody else tries it oh what's he doing you know it's a totally different mindset the layer protection i like that we're gonna veer back to more bobby slowick talking about uh what to expect and what we might see but you bringing that up about jj watt not so much the white cat but okay he's thrown to three times in 2014 and one of the the rationales was, hey, he's one of the best football players on yeah. the team. Why not throw it to him? He's a massive target. He's got big hands. He's not. I, and think about the the one against the Titans. It was his last touchdown catch of his career, really. Um, that was a hot throw, and he had to stretch for yeah. it, and he caught it from Fitzpatrick. How come they didn't go to him a little bit more the next year? I think they threw to him one time against the Jets, and it didn't get converted was was sort of uh the cat out of the bag and everybody knew to focus on him when he i mean 
you want to you want to put your weapons on the field, and he was a weapon. Why did they not go to him more? You think that's a great question, Drew. I think it's a fantastic question. And what I what I what I got to, I, I think a couple things. He was otherworldly, otherworldly in 2014 offense defense when he had. But I think dude, it was, he was on special teams. He got whistled for running to the kicker, but he he damn near blocked punts. Yeah, at Cleveland, <laughs> that's another great. He was otherworldly, and he was still kind of carrying I, over into 15. I think in 15, he was, there was a point in which, remember, he, I can't remember when he did this, but he posted a picture of of a of a bruise or oh, yeah, a, yeah. something on his leg. He's so banged up, yeah. He was really banged up in 2015, and I bet that was probably one of those, that was probably one of those situations. Because, of course, in that playoff game a little bit later, he, yeah, ends he up, fell apart. Yeah. He, end, he ends up getting hurt and then, you know, missed him for the next couple of years. Um, and the injuries were probably, probably all related. So I, my guess is that was, that was a that was a part of it because that offense could even just as a decoy, hey, 99's in the game and all eyes go over there, and then you run something the other way. Like yeah. you could have you could have done that. You could have used him as the the best decoy in the world. I remember Mike Shanahan in the Super Bowl with Terrell Davis going through a migraine. He can't yep. see. He's like, just you have to be on the field because they have to focus on you. And Elway knew that and he was like, let us adjust, let me adjust. You just you just run here. And it worked. They all dove in on Terrell Davis. Elway pulled it out, walked in for a touchdown for the half. Davis ended up being fine and was the Super Bowl MVP. But just having him on the field. So, yeah, he was he was banged up uh, pretty severely in that year, 2015. But I think that, more than anything, was probably what kept him out of those situations. So, okay, you, you wonder, well, why do it against the Chiefs? Because you kind of gotten desperate. Oh, my gosh. You was... got desperate. You've given up a kickoff return. You were down... I think it was 10 enough or 13 enough and maybe 14. Enough, I can't remember. And I knew exactly what Bill was doing. He was trying to get that crowd back to a fever pitch. Right. And if JJ scored there, it would have gone to a totally different level. And who knows what the ramifications of that are. Fortunately, he didn't score. Hoyer then throws an interception and now the, all the air is out of the balloon. And now you're just, okay, we got to get to the end of the game and it's 30 to nothing or whatever it ended up being. It was ridiculous. But that I, I'm assuming it was probably the injury factor, but I'm saying like earlier in 2015, I didn't know how banged up he was. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't know why they didn't go back to it. Now there were a couple of times where offensively <laughs> they, they didn't even get themselves in position yeah. to allow him to make a play. So True. there was kind of that too, I guess. All right. Back to Bobby Slook. Okay. So we talked about Daria Goombawale, a running back, having an interesting answer to that, that question that I posed yesterday at the golf tournament, but we've heard from, Two quarterbacks on the Texans roster now, C.J. Stroud and Case Keenum, about their excitement yeah. over uh, the Bobby Sloak offense. You know, when I talked with C.J. Stroud moments after he'd hugged the commissioner, getting drafted in Kansas City, which was a fun interview, and you can see that on YouTube. It's on uh, the, the draft special that we produced and, and put up. But he was talking about how he likes that quarterback room. He likes Bobby Slowick, Gerard Johnson, Shane Day, one of the big offensive assistants. Yep. And he's excited and he thinks he's going to flourish in a Bobby Slowick system because of his accuracy. And really, if you're an accurate quarterback, you're probably going to flourish in just about any system, but right. especially so in this one. What did you make of him saying that? And what do you think that marriage will be like, Stroud in this offense? And kind of to add on to it, I'd like to hear what you thought about Case and his thoughts on a slow offense, because you know he's been around the block and seen just about everything now, and he's a big fan of what Slowick is, is putting together here. 
it was interesting when I played your interview last night on Texans All Access. If you missed it, HoustonTexas.com. Make sure you get all the podcasts that we have there. It was so funny because I heard Dari, when, when you asked him about it, I heard Dari's response. I immediately flashed back to sitting next to Case. Mm-hmm. Case was right over here. That was a fun interview. About it. I when, really, really enjoyed that interview with him because he, was he talked football, but man, he is a te- he's a Texan, man. Like yeah, yeah. He, he knows and has yep. seen a lot. He's here at a different different time, and it's yes. cool to hear his perspective. But yeah, he he certainly has. Um, great interview. But I, I, I took out of it. I wonder if Dare's like facial response. I couldn't see Dare, obviously. I wonder if it was kind of the same that we saw from Case. He smiled. Yeah, I mean, Case was kind of like, man, yeah, and and Case has seen some things. I mean, you just go through his. It was Houston. It was there's Minnesota in there. There's Denver. There's a Washington. Air raiding college, man. There's air raiding college. There's Buffalo. I mean, he's kind of seen everything. I asked him at some point. I said, I'm a I'm gonna assume that you've had some pieces of this offense in your background. He's like, Oh yeah, I've been around. I mean, he essentially was like, You're trying to ask me if I've been around for us. Yes and no. Um, but it was kind of the same response. And I think one of the one of the things I heard a long time ago, um, and I heard this about Bill O'Brien's offense, but I think I should say Bill O'Brien's offense. I mean, that's an offense that's been around for a while. There's really been only one quarterback to run that offense effectively, and that's Tom Brady. But the point being, I heard somebody say this, try to talk themselves into it, and that was, well, we had we essentially had the answers to the test. We might not know what every question was, but we had the answers to the test. So if they do this, we do this. If they do this, we do that. And I always thought that was a really interesting way to look at it. If I'm a quarterback and I'm seeing something that I don't know, because you're going to see, especially CJ Stroud, CJ is going to see some things this year. Uh, I'll say this. He's going to maybe see some things he's seen in the past, but things are going to happen way faster than they ever have. Mm -hmm. So he's going to have to think that much quicker. But the point being, when you see something different, you see something, wow, I didn't expect them to be in a four man surface. I didn't expect them to drop eight today. I didn't expect them to, you know, play this, uh, you know, middle of the field open against that particular set. You have to adapt. What's the answer to that test question? How do you answer that? And I think quarterbacks in particular just want to know, okay, I see this. Oh, I do this. And how quickly can you adapt to that? How quickly can you go, okay, I'm seeing this. This I'm used to seeing. I saw this in college. I saw this here. But how does that fit in this offense? And what is what am I supposed to do now in this offense to make sure that we're all on the same page? And so having that ability and that wherewithal to be able to say, coach, they, they were in this. Okay. Well then we're going to do this. This is how we're going to adapt. That to me is a key for a quarterback. Um, and I think CJ is going to find that out. I mean, look at Ohio state, let's, let's be honest. He could, they could have a play called, and Marvin Harrison Jr. could run right by his guy, or Emeka Buka could be wide open. He just will throw it to him. Um, and obviously, it's not going to quite be that way for him. And so he's got to adapt that. What are the answers to the test? And, you know, Brady had all those. So Brady knew exactly what he wanted to do at all times. And, and, and that was such a big help. Not that other quarterbacks didn't, but he just knew that thing inside and out. I think that's the key for Case, for CJ, for Davis, for all the quarterbacks. Know this thing inside and out know what the answers are supposed to be, and then adapt to it. And I don't know that they quite, and I'd be curious to know what Davis said about this, kind of what he felt the last couple of years. You know, how did he feel, you know, in that particular way? And again, you match that 
with kind of a, I don't want to say unique, but a, but a varied running scheme. And you put those together, man, you got the opportunity to do something pretty special offensively. But I think the other thing too, Drew is, you know, the play caller himself or herself, depending on who it is, you got to be in sync with that particular person. You have to be able to trust that person just gave you the right answer. Yeah. And that, you know, Hey, if I go to this person, that person is going to be able to have the right answer. And man, maybe it's an answer I've never heard before. Maybe this, maybe the response to this is a play scheme that we've never run before, but man, I like how that looks. That's a, that's, that's different. That's innovative. That's inventive. And I think that's the way these offensive guys are kind of looking at Bobby Slowick and where you have to be careful as offensive coordinator is don't give them, don't give too much. Just make sure they, they can only run what you teach. And so you got to be able to teach it just because it's up there. Doesn't mean it gets to the players. And I hope that that's something that obviously Bobby's going to have to learn after a while. And, and you heard a little bit in San, in, um, not San Francisco, but in New York, when Michael Flora was the offensive co- coordinator there with the jets that, he just shoveled everything over to Zach Wilson. And it was just, it was too much. And mm-hmm. by the time they realized this is too much to try to pull back, it was, it was too late. And I think that's the thing. You obviously have to shovel enough to an NFL quarterback to make sure that they've got it and they get it. But if you've got so much over there and they don't know how to respond and they don't know how to answer the, the question they just saw in that test, then your offense goes nowhere. So it'll be interesting to see the trust that they have in Bobby Slowick uh, all the way through. All right. Our Texans in the lab Twitter question of the day with the NFL schedule release coming out Thursday night. What's the greatest primetime game in Texans history, in your opinion? Greatest primetime game, in my opinion. Well, this definitely wasn't the greatest game but I think it had probably the greatest impact on a season. And that was 2015 Monday night at Cincinnati um, because that season we've talked about it. It was going all kinds of sideways. I mean, it was two and five after Miami and it's a mess. Ryan Mallett is late and he gets cut and uh, man, they got to scramble, but we beat Tennessee here right before the bye, get to three and five. And you're like, okay, we'll see. We go to Cincinnati and they're undefeated. And then just put on a defensive performance for the, the ages. And of course, hop makes that catch down the sideline and the season completely flipped mm-hmm. at that point. They went to four and five came back on a, on a short week to face the jets. TJ started, he threw bombs over to Raul Rivas and you felt like, okay, man, they didn't get back in this thing. So Cecil shorts too. Yeah. Cecil had, I mean, that was a tremendous game against the jets. And so they, um, that was the one to me that stood out. And of course, the next one, I'll, I don't want to keep stealing them, but that one had probably, I think, the biggest impact on the season. The one that probably people remember more than anything was 2018 Sunday night against Dallas. I think you're also forgetting 2002 against uh, Dallas. There's that, yeah, <laughs> there's that. I wanted to leave something on the plate. My and friend. don't forget my one of my favorites all time 2012 Sunday night football, seven and one Texans at seven and one Bears, Chicago. Texans win. There's been some go good primetime games, man. There's there's been, there's, there's yeah. been some. There have not been some fun ones, but uh, there there have been some good ones. 17 at Cincy. That was a fun one, too. Yeah, that and was. With J.J. busting up a, a, a rugby. <laughs> right yeah, just game. planting oh, that was That was good. Yeah. Sunday, man. I, I say this about the game, 2018, Sunday night against that was, Dallas. That was awesome. Drew, I don't know that I have ever seen a more physical game game in my life and i shouldn't even say oh, yeah. seen 
I heard, I heard things and people being hit that night yeah. that I have never seen or heard ever again, ever okay. playoff game, anything. The most, I mean, obviously people know about the whole Deshaun thing going to the hospital afterwards and, and what he went through. It was everybody that night. Mm -hmm. It was everybody that night. That was, that was football the way it was supposed to be played. And the Texans would have blown him out. They could have scored from the goal line, which again, offensive test answers and all that kind of stuff. But you know, whatever. I digress. You digress. You digress. We digress all the time on this. And that's why it's Texans in the lab. That's why we have fun. John, always good to be with you. Thanks so much to everyone for listening.